Hey everyone, just a quick intro for episode 51 of The Geomologist Presents. So we got a nice call-in from Jason Connerly uh, responding to the 50th episode, um, and then a lot of not call-ins. So I do several unboxings of games that could be in the future games or supplements uh, for current games that I'm pretty excited about. I'm still debating, well I've been doing unboxings, um, a la Jason Connerly of Nerds RPG Variety Cast and others. I don't know who else does unboxings. And uh, let me know if those are worth it or cool or kind of subtle advertisements that probably shouldn't be here. I'm not sure. And after that, I got recaps of the week's games. Um, I wanted to get those out before the weekend because the weekend I have uh, several games too that will get recapped. And I guess. And the recaps are not just like blow by blow. I do insert commentary here and there. So I hope you do uh, listen to them. And maybe just because of interest in the games and, and the commentary, I, especially with the games that I run, I kind of give a DM's view, GM's view, um, and maybe some behind the screen type of information. So anyway, enjoy episode 51 of The Ge Geomologist Presents. Hey Carl, congratulations on 50 episodes, great job, really enjoyed your 50th episode, your comments, especially about party bonding and, you know, ways to keep party together and how, and the importance of, you know, communication between players so character actions can't be mis, you know, misunderstood, so good stuff, look forward to playing the game with you again soon, take care. Hey there, I'm going to do an unboxing. I have this big box from the Lightning Source, which is Drive-Through RPG, the printer uh, source, and it's a good sized box. It's uh, pretty heavy. It is like an 11 by 17, and I feel like it has an easy open thingy, but if not, I have a handy dandy anvil here. I think I'll get it started with the anvil. Anvil is my box cutter. A little harder than I thought. Get this thing open. There we go. Pop. Pop. Wow, it's a good sized book, man. And I am happy that I got it. It is the Raiders of Ryla Game Master's Guide and Complete Rules. So the year is 1910 in an age of crumbling empires, dangerous adventures, and rotting decadence. Rifles crack across the untamed Kyber Pass. Sorcerers stir from eldritch crypts, and dark things dream and lurk in secreted, fetid corners of the globe. Right, Raiders of Ryla is a standalone role-playing game and source book in which mercenary rogue explore forbidden frontiers, unearth ancient artifacts, and outwit villainous scum. So I like it is a BRP 1D100 open source license. Uh, Cthulhu mythos of H.P. Lovecraft, but also especially evocative of strange... Sorry. And it, it's, it emulates not only adventures in Cthulhu mythos of H.P. Lovecraft and his circle of influences, but especially the savage and evocative feel of Howard's mythos and weird menace stories. Uh, it takes place, what I really liked about it, it takes place um, right in between, in between um, the Victorian gaslight stuff and your standard 1920s. It's still BRP. 
It is nominally Edwardian times, um, which is really good. And it is a hefty tome. Um, it's really cool. Um, it is, it clocks in at, do there no page numbers in it? There's a lot of, there's several appendices. It's over 450 pages here. Um, looks like we're getting there. 473 pages. And then some thank you pages, some uh, character sheets and forms and uh, the index and then a set of maps at the end and the maps are you know the atlantic ocean and all the trade routes um and the close in of massachusetts and rhode island and so lovecraft country -ish. but uh yeah it looks really cool um definitely we wanted to play something in those pre in the edwardian england pre-world war one and this is uh, supposed to be uh, for that so very cool yeah i got another box and i have no idea what it is it's from uh joey turco gamerati llc out of lakewood washington uh did joe richter send this to me or maybe is it ticking hmm anyway it's a good sized box it's got some heft to it um it is about i would say five inches deep by and then 10 inches wide 10 inches long so a good size box maybe a little maybe about a foot actually like a foot square and then six inches or so deep um, again it's just paper like jason i don't want um my animals to eat the little popcorns and wow it is pretty cool actually i want to say about f in time but uh hella cool it is um knights of pain town and shadows and showdowns both for city of mist so knights of pain town is a story arc of crime magic and lost souls we have the adventure books i've gotten items from us for city of mist already and these adventure books add to the collection of my starter set, as well as the uh, players and gamers book and screen that I have from Knights from City of Mist. So I'm pretty excited. I played in a charity game with Kevin Madison of Dungeon Using City of Mist, and I feel like we could uh, I could bring it to the table, especially with pre-made adventures. <laughs> so uh, maybe I'll, I'd like to try to run the. Um, the adventure or two that, or three that are in the box set and maybe try Knights of Pain Town. But uh, yeah, the, the starter set box set is amazing. And I love all the all the character uh, characters that it has in it that uh, you have an option to do. So um, very cool. That was unexpected and I'm glad it has arrived. Anvil is out. That means some unboxing. The first one looks like another product from Gabor Lux in Hungary. It says, do not bend. It's got that postage from Hungary. And I will try to be careful as I open it. So you know what it is. It's some more Echoes from Fumbleholt zines. 
I already have the PDFs, so now I get the physical products, which I thought were cool to get because it's different seeing a map, you know, and unfolding a map versus seeing it on the PDF. I'm just going to tear it open. Tear, tear, tear. Again, it's double wrapped. And here it is. Ooh, it's, it's going to be number... The first one is EMDT 48. And that one is... Issue number two, Gaunt Nest of Spies. So it has in it, I will look at the table of contents. Oh, there is a, there is a table of contents. I know there is somewhere. Well, it has a, a city a guide to Irulion, which is sort of their mini campaign default setting. It's an island setting. Uh, specifics about the campaign, which is important, the, the cosmology, well, the gods of uh, Irelion. It's kind of cool. Uh, and then the main article is Gaunt, the Nest of Spies, a big city um, with maps and things like underground maps, things like that, maps of the sewers. So pretty cool, pretty cool. Oh, there's a table of contents. It's on the back cover. So the, it's an adventure, The Four Rives of Xanton, a guide to Irelion, Eldritch Experiments, Does Energy Drain Suck? So I guess this is a reprise. If you listen to um, John Large of the Red Dice Diaries, does energy drain sucks? Yes, it does. Actually, I think so. And here we go. Um, these rules may help you if you think it does. Whites, race, and other lesser undead drain one d six con. Specters, vampires, and other greater undead drain two d four con. Shadows drain one d six con. Scores recover at the rate of one per day. If you're drained to zero in a score, you become undead of that type. With these changes in effect, undead represent a greater immediate threat, but do not damage long-term character viability or really campaign sustainability. Um, I think I've had multiple campaigns just wither up and die because of um, energy drain. The players feel that they get behind, it's not fair, etc., etc. It just happens, man. Not everyone. Not everyone gets upset about it, but some people do, and that's what happens. So there you go. That's a reprise. Uh, John Large probably read it better than I did, but uh, that's where it comes from. Or it comes from Nako number one, but it is reprinted here in issue number two of Echoes from Falmahawk. So very cool. Oh, it also gives me a map, and the map is of the island of Irelion, which is neat too. Now I have multiple maps of the island of Irelion. On the back, it's gaunt, uh, like a player's map of gaunt nothing written there that's pretty cool i oh nice this was good because it has like a so there there was a map that came with another product that i bought but it didn't have any it, it left out some place names uh, on purpose right but um they have where things might be and what things might might be which is pretty cool, pretty cool. so like each hex is 20 kilometers on this map so it looks like the island is Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. About four hundred uh, kilometers, I guess, from west to east, and about uh, it looks like it's roughly not square, but 
um, there is like a peninsula that comes out, so they'd make it maybe about third, uh, yeah, so it's 20, so that was probably like 15, so about 300 kilometers from north to south, so pretty cool. All right. Has like a lot of political names on there too that I don't know what they are, but very nice. So that is uh, the first book I got, but I got two. The second book is... Uh, EMDT 49. What does EMDT 49 consist of? I don't know. Um, again, it is a. Ooh, it got another map. So this one is issue number three Blood, Death, and Tourism. And it has People of the Great Wheel, Terror on Trident Fish Island. Monsters of Wizardry and the East Part of Irelion. I think, uh, yeah, this one, so number two just has a, a guide to the whole island, and this has, you know, kind of like a gazetteer of the eastern part of the island. And the map in here is, is another map of Irelion. Maybe i got to send this to, um, yeah. Oh, but this has more detail on it. <laughs> so maybe the other one was a player's map, and this is a GM's map, because I see some place names of some points of interest which is kind of neat so uh very cool very cool products gonna enjoy them probably will use them honestly very soon we'll see i like when they have little adventures to help uh create the world and there you go two more issues of echoes from Fomalhaut for my collection issue number two and number three from EMDT, the first Hungarian D20 Society. I will put a link in the show notes, written mainly by Gabor Lux. And I have another box. This one but from Goodman Games. It is like uh, 17 by uh, about 11 and about 8 inches deep. It is probably a box set for some Kickstarter. Which one is it? I don't know. Kevin. Chop, chop. Bubble wrap. The Goodman Games Gazetteer for October 2020. That was from last year. And, ah, The Greatest Thieves of Lankmar. Very cool. So, uh, it is a dungeon crawl classic adventure that sends the characters into the hot cellars beneath Thieves' house. Across the city rooftops of the city of seven score thousand smokes and onto a mad dash through the palace of the overlord. So everything you need to run this this adventure through several sessions. It's pretty cool. It's supposed to be a gauntlet of some sort. And uh, it was used as a tournament and people would score it and you would win prizes. So, well, it says as you first run it as a tournament in, in 2019, Gen Con, where 20 competitive teams competed over four fantastic days and three hard-fought rounds. Characters died, um, etc. 44% of the tables experienced TPKs. Interesting. And nearly six in ten PCs were killed. One team survived to win. How will your players compare? Wah, wah, wah. So I, I've been wanting to run some Lankmar. It is a level three adventure. Interesting. So... Um, yeah, it's pretty, got a lot of stuff in it. 
a 68-page adventure booklet, 20 pages of handouts, 16-page player pack, 48-page judges pack, a scoring sheet, die-cut luck tokens. Oh, I guess you'll have fleeting luck at the table. Um, die-cut rooftop chase tokens, a big rooftop chase map, and uh, dicing with death, a standalone bonus adventure to be designed designed to be deployed when characters die in the main adventure. Very cool. All right, it's not a funnel, it's level three. Looks pretty cool. I'm not gonna open the box itself. Maybe I'll open it a little later. Uh, is it a... Yeah, it's, I mean, I described what was in there. So I don't need to open the box. I'll open it at a later date. That is uh, Greatest DCC Dungeon Crawl Classics. Goodman Games, Dungeon Crawl Classics, DCC. Lankmar, the greatest thieves in Lankmar. Does it give you the authors? It doesn't give you the authors here, but I can look inside at some point. Yep, I did play some games this week. So uh, the first game that I played in was on Monday night, and it is called Reaver. The title of the adventure being Spears in the Mist. It is part of a playtest for a quick start that is being written by Joe Salvatore of Raven God Games. And it's very sword and sorcery. Uh, we're in this city that's about to be overrun by an army and the last adventure we saw a leader of a faction named Mirko killed by city guard and we also rescued another member of a political faction named Tiberia who is of Thraxican descent but native uh, we knew that the city was about to get overrun so we were wanting to escape but uh there are three characters, and one is Brutus the Bald, played by Jason Connerly of Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Uh, another one is Laszlo, who is a fighter, played by a friend of Joe's. And then I play Uskold the Lame, who is a shaman of Hibernian descent, so Germanic. Uh, Thraxians, Thraxians are um, like Roman. Um, I think the other two are of that culture. Anyway, uh, Brutus had a plan to break out an acquaintance of, acquaintance of his named Cato, who was charged with being a spy. So uh, we headed along the avenue, the back a back avenue, tree-lined avenue, and uh, some guy sees us and takes off. I think this bit us in the rear in the end. We go by the prison, get in front of the guards, hide in the bushes, and ambush a guard. Um, initially, the attack doesn't work, but we win initiative, and I use my spell spells, and I use spell casting successfully. So, um, it is all these are done are done and based on a dice chain that reflects based on your attributes, your you know like your six core attributes, and then depending on that attribute, you get certain dice to roll. Um, for to roll for successes and the successes of four or greater on the die roll so so pretty cool so I command this person to die with my spirit voice 
and um, he does. He falls unconscious, and a solid blow toward to the head knocks him out. Laszlo puts on the guy's armor and moves towards the jail with a plan. We do the sort of like a, we pretend to be prisoner plan. Laszlo blathers the guards and and a torturer who we learn later is named Crassus. It's all very confusing, honestly, and and the player did a great job of confusing myself and the GM and. I guess because he confused the GM, he successfully confused the guards here. Uh, one guard, we add to the confusion. Uh, Brutus starts telling what's going on in the city. Askold starts yelling and howling. He's wearing a wolf or owl helmet, a headdress. It works. One guard runs away. We subdue the torture, get the keys, and then Brutus and Askold go into the cellar while Laszlo stays up top, checks out the room, and guards the place. We find a lantern and look for Cato. Um, Laszlo finds a silver flask shaped like a hedgehog. It has a liquid that smells like flowers. I think that was the highlight for him in this tale for some reason. And he wanted us to tell you all that. Um, Brutus lets the prisoners out. Um, we find Cato. And then Brutus lets all the other prisoners out. I take up Cato. He's messed up pretty bad. We really don't have time to heal him. I you know, give him some kind of quote-unquote first aid, but not enough time to sit down and uh, really take care of him. I take the cat of nine tails from the torturer. The mob tears the torture apart, and we duck out in the confusion. Finally, as we try to get across the city, we run into some folks that accuse us of killing Mirko. That's probably the guy that ran off. Um, so now a fight will ensue as we help Kato try to move across the city as discreetly as possible but of course it didn't work uh, to get out of here so we'll see how things go the next time we play this game that's fun stuff i'm really thanking joe for running this i think we did come to a decision it looks like uh, initially he had um us do combat using just a d20 roll trying to hit a target number like an ac number with um i think it was um Ascend, uh, ascending AC, uh, much like 3.5, etc. And maybe, I don't know, Joe, are you doing that because of the SRD for 3.5? But uh, when we talked about it, and then we did some like hand to hand combat, and then that was like an opposed role with our attribute dice. So then we're like, well, why can't we just do combat as an opposed role with our attribute dice? Um, which I think would be kind of neat. And I think that's what the decision he is doing and he's making. So dropping the D20 aspect and making it more of a dice chain opposed roll, ascending dice. You can use your resolve to increase dice um, that you want to use or use resolve to get an advantage on your die roll. So yeah, I think I think that mechanic makes it one universal type of system as opposed to using one dice for something and the other dice for everything else. Um, I think that's a great idea. So I think we will go with that. And that's uh, Reaver by Joe Salvatore of Raven God Games. I think I'm playing a game every day during the week this week, or running one. I think I am playing three running too and i also have games on the weekend i think from the week on the weekend i'm playing in one and maybe running another 
I don't know if that balances out for you folks keeping score. But uh, anyway, the Tuesday game I played was the return of the legendary Kalmata run by Jason Hobbs of Hobbs and Friends and Random Screed Podcast. So it was actually really cool to get back in. He let me play my old Dwarven cleric-y thing, um, Mungo, Chosen of Ninkasi. So while technically in OSE, you don't have race and class, I think I did some sort of mission and had a near-death experience and Ninkasi listened, and now he is a cleric, so he is a dwarf. So in a way, we're using like advanced fantasy OSE as well as in combo with BX OSE, which kind of works. Hey, Jason's call. Um, so um, neat. The other there are other players as well, not just myself. It was we had. Several other players, Arlen Walker, who was the caller from Live from Pelham's Wasteland. We had uh, Taylor from Cleric Lord Ringmail. We had also another guy, Julian Burnick of the Spellburn DCC RPG podcast. And there's another player who's a longtime legendary player of Kamada, who doesn't have a podcast yet. Um, but uh, his family makes products that you can store frosty cold beverages in. So uh, it was pretty cool. I did take some notes. We sailed about eight miles down from Sindanor. Oh, you know, and actually Jason, since it's been so long since we played, I think he said he hasn't run since like March. And I myself have not played in over a year. So we did the whole intro um for Kalmada, which is fantastic. You can probably watch the streaming live on Twitch and then you can see it on YouTube um, later as he records everything. So it's pretty cool. You got to just tune in to Hobbs's uh, podcast or YouTube just for that uh, when he can give the um, the intro to Kalmada. So uh, Arlen, oh, so after that intro, then we chose um, or we went to see what the muster for men-at-arms were like, and I was able to successfully convince Gurn, a dwarf uh, with a warhammer and a chain and shield, um, to come with us. So uh, so then, as Arlen was a caller, he decided we were going to sail down the coast about eight miles and explore inland. So we did. Um, we were exploring inland, uh, seeing, you know, revealing the map. It's always fun to do. And... Uh, we ended up, we didn't really go to a point of interest. We thought about it, but uh, we had an encounter, I think, on our first night with a host of ghost, of, not ghost, of goat mongrel men. And uh, it was tough. We defeated them. No one died. We were lucky and successful. Arlen's character got blinded really early on, but uh, Julian Burnick's uh, mage really did a good job of putting people to sleep and his the henchman he hired got a lucky shot and took down a one of the goat men who was going to maybe wake these guys up so that would have been bad and man Gurn uh, Mungo didn't do that great um 
you got to heal someone after, like a one of the mages after. But uh, Gurn, man, he uh, he took down like three goat men. He was a a big star in this uh, in this tale. So we continued up into the heights and the highlands of this jungled uh, uh, area, and uh, slow going, and we traveled. I think another day or so and set up camp and we were attacked again by these Dungen which are four-armed white apes that live in the jungles and the highlands apparently and I, I was actually thinking we were going to have a TPK but again one got put to sleep and one got blinded and uh, by our duo of mages and then we just surrounded the one that was blinded and um, cut it down again Gurn did awesome I think he hit it twice for over 10 points of damage and it was really good so there was a big discussion of what kind of body parts to use in these fungin and uh, yeah I guess I have a uh, more than two testicles the middle testicle being the important one but there's a lot of testicular collection um, for these prized I guess things we didn't get a lot of treasure, but we explored a lot. We survived. That's the important thing. Uh, we made it back uh, to our, our, our raiding boat um, another couple days later without incident. Uh, but it was pretty cool. We got some got some XP again. It's important we survived. Um, Mungo is a third level dwarven cleric, so he's getting there. Getting close. Maybe a couple more sessions or a session with a big payout. And he'll get to fourth level, which would be pretty awesome. So it's really good to play in Kamada again. Enjoyable game. And uh, hope to play again soon. So tonight I ran a session of our Starfinder Horizons of the Vast campaign. We are running the first, we're in the middle. This is our fourth session of the Planetfall module. And it was kind of slow. I guess we were a little slow to get there, and I was slow to... I hadn't been able to prep ahead of time. But um, I put down a map, got the tokens on there, and we went going, and it, it really centered around this one encounter where there was this explosion in the settlement, and neighbors were angry at the person uh, whose laboratory the explosion... laboratory slash home. Uh, the, the explosion took place. It was a... a Hanakin and Hanakins are like, um, I guess they're, what do they say? They are like Oviraptor, Velociraptor, uh, sentient uh, creatures. And this Hanakin was a, bi a biologist named Vichvich. And uh, the guards had run up to the characters as they were coming back from their exploration and for first foray out into the wilderness. And so there's trouble. The players go down there. They see there's smoke coming out of the vents in the building. Uh, the Everything is locked. Um, one of the players calls and set at the intercom at the front door. And Beach Beach answers and says, uh, yeah, I'm here. Um, it's all good. Everything's good here. But uh, this player is able to, you know, talk to him, talk him down, Um Beach Beach says he's in the greenhouse, which a couple players already knew because they could see a shadow, shadowy Hanakin running through the greenhouse and getting stuff and preparing. Uh, one character like flew to look airily from the roof and spotted some vents. The other character climbed up there. And this character, he looks human, but he's actually like a 
uh, slimy starfish thing that can squeeze almost like Uzi and can squeeze into small spaces. So he stays up on the roof. The other guys go down and he and the mage um, Rhodes and the uh, diplomat who had talked to him on the intercom. Um, he, uh, they convince him to let him, in, let the, they convince Hanakan to let him inside the beach. He tells him what's going on. Yeah. I have these creatures that are legal and one of them blew up, but the other ones escaped and this is what all the smoke is. And they're in that room. Meanwhile, uh, the, the, uh, Astroan, I think that's what they are. Um, his name is, uh, Von Duel or, yeah, Von Duel. He squeezes in through one of the vents, gets down there, finds that, yes, these are, there are creatures in here that escaped and there's these like slug, uh, exploding slug creatures, creatures, uh, they bite at him. He tries to get away, um, and close the door behind him, but, uh, they bite him and cut him down. <laughs> So, oh no, he's like dying. Um, oh, it's pretty crazy. Uh, Beach Beach has this concoction that can coax these creatures. Um, you know, it's something they like to eat. So he puts um, this on the hands of the android diplomat. Um, so this android diplomat now has like slimy hands. And it is kind of crazy. There's smoke everywhere. They go into the room. Uh, the uh, Cass, who is the engineer, who's a... Strigoi can fly so he flies over there and starts venting you know hitting the exhaust to vent out the smoke in the proper manner the cool thing is like they all have like uh, armor and vac suits and all these have like a helmet that you can put on um either it's a physical helmet or it telescopes telescopes out um and uh, is able to uh to cover their face so they're not inhaling smoke um so they find their buddy who's down, um, but they're managed to actually capture two. They kill one, actually kills itself. Is when you shoot these things and they get below a certain amount of health, they become a volatile and any more damage makes them explode. So one exploded. Um, Von Duel almost died. He had to spend um, something in Starfinder called Resolve that keeps you alive. It's kind of like instead of um, in D&D &D 5e, where you do like a death roll, you have a certain number of resolve points that help you to stabilize. But if you keep taking damage, like when the creature next to you explodes on you, um, yeah, you got to spend that resolve or you permadie. So he, he got down to one resolve. He could have maybe taken a little one more damage, but then after that, he'd have been dead. So it was pretty close. Um, but it was pretty cool. I like the plan that uh, the player with the android, who plays the android, came up with to... He lured two of these creatures into their cages and uh, jumped out, locked them out. Got a little injured, but it was cool. Um, Rhodes, the mage, burned one down. Um, and then, I think he, is he the one? Who, no, I think it was Kess the Sturgoy who shot it, double-tapped it, and it exploded. Or, no, I think he double-tapped it and damaged it, and then Rhodes shot it and exploded. So, uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. And then we discussed... Um, a little bit of charter maintenance and what's going on. Uh, the last thing we did do, like gaming-wise, was that the protocol droid, um, he went out there and tried to appease the neighbors, but uh, the neighbors probably felt, uh, based on what he said and, and the resolution, that Beach Beach got the better end of the deal. So uh, we'll see how that comes around to haunt them in the, in the future, or maybe it'll benefit them in the future. Who knows?
uh, we discussed charter stuff and I went over the procedure um, for the next time probably. Um, we're probably going to do a charter turn, which should be very interesting so they can grow their settlement and their charter. Um, it's a cool campaign. Like Again, I think we could have gotten more done, but everyone's just a little um, unenergetic today. So sometimes that happens. But uh, it's a fun it's a fun campaign, and I think it'll be pretty cool um, once it gets kind of rolling at a better and quicker pace. All right, I hope you enjoyed that. Um, some of the recaps. It's only three games this week, and then this weekend it looks like I might have three, maybe four more. So um, I'll see you guys Monday. Have a great weekend.